Nicaragua. You know, it makes all the difference. Being able to not be so down on yourself for making a mistake and acknowledging that you're just a human being. So in the end, probably the most important thing that we can do, right, is to be kind to ourselves. To say, I'm okay with the fact that I screwed up and I'm going to do better now. Hey, I'm Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. So glad that you're there. Always had these conversations, you and I, about things we can do to maybe make ourselves a little happier, a little more successful, grow a little bit in the process. And you know what's fun about these uh, conversations that you and I have is we kind of do it together. I learn as much about this talking with you as I would if I were just trying to supply you with, you know, some kind of speech or something. So let's, this is not a speech, okay? This is a two-way communication because I know you feel me, as some of my friends say. And, and here's the thing that happens early in the year as we kind of get going. We just got through the holidays. And there's something we tried to do, which is how do we get going when we can't? How do we get going when we can't? How do you, how do you feel yourself trying to... It's like we're, we're still stuck in the fact that we were sleeping in for a week or... We ate too much and drank too much, and we're still kind of on the schneid, right? But we're trying to catch up, and we don't know exactly how to do it. And there are ways, right? There are ways to do it. And by the way, one of them is, oh, my God, we all do this. I know you do, too. Sometimes we just try too hard. Sometimes, I swear, the key to successfully getting off the schneid, right, the key to pulling it together is to try and not overthink it and overdo. Something recently happened with me that I want to share with you. This is a really fascinating story. From time to time, I like to go out and play golf. Not a lot. I used to play a lot. These days, ah, I'm lucky if I play maybe once or twice a month. But recently, during the holidays, a friend of mine said, why don't you come out and play golf with me and my friends? So I hadn't played in a long time, and I had to go in the garage and find my clubs. And, and, and finally, I, I did. And I was so excited that I was going to play golf. I thought, felt like I'd forgotten how to play. So I broke all the rules that I often tell you about, not getting stuck on YouTube channels. And I actually went to YouTube, and I started looking at videos to try and perfect the right golf swing. And I know there's people there who teach you, you know, how to have a good golf swing. And I, and I got into one of them and he was teaching this interesting thing. I don't know if, if you play golf, you may know, but if, if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's no different than do, watching a video on how to bake a cake or how to sing or anything else. Right. So I watched this guy do this video and he was telling me that when I take my golf club back, I have to take it back to a certain place. And when I pull it back forward, I have to take it forward to a certain place. And I had to try and remember that. So I went that morning and I got there about an hour and a half early and I went to the range to practice. I figure if I practice, I'll be really good. Now I'm taking this really seriously, right? I'm just getting together with friends to hit some golf balls and have fun. But somehow it's that thing inside of all of us, right? All of us with these A personalities. Let's say we got to go out there. I can't play badly. I have to be awesome. I have to be great. No, you don't. But it is good to care. It is good to do your best. So that would have been fine. But I took it too far. And I put pressure on myself. 
Now we, we get finally to the point where we're playing. And, and what am I doing? I am putting so much pressure on myself. I'm thinking, okay, according to that video, I have to have my leg here and I have to bring my arm back here. And then I have to swing through and get it to the front. And I got to remember to do this every time. So I'm putting so much pressure, trying to really overthink. I'm pushing, right? I'm not doing this easy. I'm pushing it. And now I'm trying to force things to happen because when I did that, it didn't work. So now the next time I'm going to make sure I really get it right. So now I, the first time I hit it, the ball went into the water and I'm like so embarrassed. And now I, I'm, I'm going to put one near the water, but this time I'm going to concentrate on what the video told me. I've got to take it back to the right quadrant and bring it up to the other quadrant. And then, and I hit another bad shot and another bad shot. Well, suffice it to say, that by the time I was done with the first nine holes, I was a wreck. I was trying so hard. Have you ever done that? When you go to try and do something, whether it's a game of golf or a speech or something you've wanted to do for a long time, and you got so prepared, you over-prepared. And now you're into this thing we call paralysis through analysis. I've overanalyzed everything. I've overanalyzed how to hold the club and where to bring it back and how to stand and where my elbow is and where my shoulder is. And, you know, most people who are good at what they do don't think about those things when they're actually doing it. Some people would say that I'm a pretty good speaker. Well, I'm not sitting here right now thinking about how to conjugate verbs or how to properly use modifiers or how, how to use the predicate and the verb and the noun in the right place so that I can create the right storyline. I'm just talking to you. When Michael Jordan went to dunk a basketball, he never once thought about exactly where his wrist was in proportion to his elbow. And that's the key to being successful. You have to trust who you are, what you know, and get in a comfort zone. Because if you get outside that comfort zone and, and you push too much, you're going to lose it. And that's what happened to me on that morning. I was horrible. I was embarrassing. I was so frustrated and so angry and so embarrassed and I felt humiliated that my friend invited me to play golf. And to me, of course, it wasn't this bad, but who cares? In my mind, it was this bad. Everybody was playing fine and I was the absolute idiot out there who couldn't do anything, right? And as far as I was concerned, everybody was staring at me and they were all saying, oh my God, look at Rick Sanchez. What a moron. He's got to be the most uncoordinated guy out here. He's got to be the worst golfer who's ever played. I know they didn't think that, but I thought they thought that. So what happens? This is interesting. I'm playing with my friend Victor Benitez. Great guy. He runs Gus Machado Ford, one of the biggest car dealerships here in South Florida. Good guy. Hardworking guy. In fact, I know whenever we play golf, whenever we're done, he takes a shower and goes back to the shop to sell cars because he's a hardworking guy. Good for him. Like us, like my dad, like most Latinos. But after we play the front, he says to me, Rick, what's wrong? I said, what do you mean what's wrong? He goes, well, you know, you, your, your swing's a little off, right? I said, yeah. He goes, what are you doing? 
He goes, I said, well, you know, Victor, I'm glad you asked. I watched this video. And in this video, they said that I need to bring my club back to the uh, left quadrant and then make sure I bring it forward to the right quadrant. And I got to make sure that I keep, you know, my elbows in tight and a bunch of other things. And I'm trying to do all this because I think it could make me better. After all, I haven't played for a while. And he says, can you just do me a favor? I said, what? He goes, stop it. Forget that lesson. Forget those videos. Forget everything. Forget ever the time you spent this morning on the range. Just play golf. Just hit the ball. Swing. And enjoy it. And go back to whoever you were. And don't try and substitute this new guy that you found on a video last night. Think about that. Don't substitute who you are for some guy that you found on a video last night, he told me. This is interesting, right? This is one of those life lessons where, and I thought, you know, you know, Victor, I think you're right. I think maybe I'm pushing too hard. I think maybe I'm trying to be something I'm not. Whether I remember articulating that or not, I remember I thought it. So the nine is finished, and now we're going to go to the back nine. You know, when you play golf, you always play in two parts, right? There's the front nine, and then there's the back nine. So now the back nine starts. And I immediately said, you know what? I'm just going to hit the ball the only way I know how to hit it, you know? Keep your left arm straight. Keep your nose down and watch the ball and swing. That's it. Keep your left arm straight. Watch the ball. Swing. Left arm straight, head down. Left arm straight, head down. That's all I remember. It's easy. I mean, anybody can do it. That's why I tell my son, my granddaughter, when, when we go in the front yard and we start doing that. And the other thing I realized was I was trying to hit the ball too hard. And this is such a perfect life's lesson because we try sometimes to hit life too hard. And most of the time when we back off, that's when we have the most success. So I was trying to. If I had to hit the ball, and for those of you who play golf know, if I was at 150 yards, I was going to take out a, an 8-iron or a 7-iron, and I was going to swing it really hard and get the ball to go all the way to the green, and then eventually maybe go in the hole, right? Because I, I, I figured, well, if you, m most golfers would use a 7-iron here, so I'm going to use a 7-iron. So I have to use a 7-iron, but I don't know if I'm strong enough, so i got to swing really hard. So what am I doing? I'm pushing. I'm pushing. I'm pushing myself. I'm creating pressure. I'm tightening up. I'm overthinking it. But I thought back to what Victor has said and said, just swing easy and have fun. So suddenly, instead of taking a seven iron and swinging hard, I said, you know what? I'll take a bigger club and I'll swing really easy. So instead of taking a full hard swing with a seven, I'll take a six or a five iron, which is a club that is intended to make the ball go further anyway, and I'll just swing really, really easy. So I stopped thinking about the video. I started swing, swinging really easily. I took less club so I don't have to work as hard. And suddenly, my golf game became absolutely, surprisingly, amazingly better. I, use, I was getting like horrible scores on every hole and suddenly I'm getting great scores, like even pars, occasional birdie, some bogeys. 
before, everything I was doing was like a triple or a quadruple or the ball was in the water. Or I just quit. Say, you guys finish. I can't even finish this role. And all I did was I stopped myself from trying to force things to happen. I realized that I had to take it easy. I realized I couldn't push. I had to accept. I took less club and I swung easy. And in many ways, that kind of defines what we all have to do when we find ourselves in some kind of schneid, right? When, we, when we're finding ourselves that we got to somehow pick ourselves up and get better. But the problem is, rather than get better, we work hard. <laughs> you know that expression? You know, if you're in a hole, stop digging. Exactly. We find ourselves in holes and we dig and we dig and we dig. And there are things that we need to do to make our life less easy. You know, that, that, that thing I just said, again, if you're a golfer, you'll get this. And if you're not, it's pretty simple, right? You take less weight and swing easier. In golf, you take less club instead of taking a big, long club, right? Or instead of taking a short club and swinging hard, you take a bigger club so that you don't have to swing so hard. So you remove the tension. You know, in many ways, life is that way. So if you think of the things that you can do to create less strain for yourself, less pressure for yourself. I mean, I think that experience for me playing golf is iconic, but it also represents what life is like, right? I'll give you an example. There's something you can do, and I'll give you three or four examples of what we're talking about. Maybe a few more that come to mind. I've always said this, and you know it's important. One of the things you need to do when you feel stifled is remove the things that make you feel pressure, that make you feel like you're uptight. I've said this one before, and I'll say it to you again. Take a break from the media. Turn off the TV if you're one of those people in our society, and there's so damn many of them who are glued to getting somebody else's opinion about something to make them mad or angry or upset. That's what you want to get rid of. You, you want to feel easy, right? Look, if you turn on the TV and you have someone talking to you about an idea, you aren't listening to your own ideas. If you're listening to them, you're not listening to yourself. It's impossible. I mean, sure, you could choose a story once in a while that interests you and research it, and that's healthy. But don't dwell, don't jump from story to story to story, just sitting there listening to some person trying to make you angry, whether they're on the left or on the right, it doesn't matter. So there's one pressure you could start. Here's another one. Define a project and spend time on it. Here, I'll give you an example of something that happened over the weekend with me. I was just a little frustrated this weekend because I felt like I have a lot of stuff on my plate, but I couldn't get myself to do anything. I just told you a little while ago about one of the worst frustrations any of, any of us can have is paralysis through analysis. I kind of felt paralyzed thinking about all the things that I had to do, but I wasn't doing any of them. So every once in a while, you got to just prioritize, or just pick one. One, not five. You can't sit down and do five things. You can only sit down and do one thing. This weekend, for example, we were together, we were putting together, my son 
and myself and some other people in our company, a very important uh, deck, a deck that defines the future of this company, Agua Media, and how we might be able to get some capital funding to help us along the way and what our revenues were going to be and what is the definition of our company and what is our mission and what is our vision and how do we get there? What's our model? And when, when we were writing this up in a really a nice deck with 12 different slides, and when I first thought about doing this, I thought, oh, God, it's Sunday, and I could be watching football games. But instead, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this, but I got so many other things on my mind that I got to do. And until I made the most important decision that any one of us could ever make in our lives, Every journey begins with one small step, right? Confucius? Every journey begins with one small step. So I sat down. I found a comfortable place where I like to work. I closed the door. I took out my laptop. I put out the proposed deck where it was. I thought this is going to take a lot of work. And it did. But it was fun. When I was done, I felt so great. It made my weekend. It made me feel good. I took on one project. I completed that project. I felt proud. I felt good. I felt focused. I didn't feel paralyzed. I didn't feel like I was all over the place. So when you have many projects, when you have many thoughts, when you have many tasks, do yourself a favor. Choose one. One. Tackle it. Accomplish it. And it will be the first step in your very successful journey. By the way, here, here's something else. I, I always find as well that I perform better. Again, you know, the old, I think it's the old Yiddish term, get off the schneid, right? Siéntete mejor, as we would say in Spanish. To feel better, there's certain things you got to do. If, you, if, if you're sitting around in your pajamas and it's 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you ain't going to get shit done. You ain't going to feel good about yourself. And you're certainly not going to accomplish goals. So every once in a while, it's, I mean, it's just, I'm, we're going back to mom here, right? What your mom said when you were a kid. Clean up. Stand up straight. Put on a nice sweater. I don't care. A nice new pair of jeans. You know, throw a suit over a t-shirt. Something that makes you feel like you got it going on. Clean up. Stand up straight. You'd be surprised how much that first step can make a difference. You know? Taking a shower, combing your hair, washing your hair, doing whatever you can to put something that makes you feel new and clean. I mean, it's like putting on new skin right? Like snakes and lizards. It's like they go through this process where they molt. Suddenly they have new skin and now they're ready to go. Well, that's maybe what we need to do as human beings to a certain extent as, as well. So if that's a short-term goal that we were just talking about, I want to give you some advice now on something else that I think is important to do. Create a little longer-term goal. But I don't mean next year at this time I will have lost 100 pounds. No, forget that. That's never going to work. Create a, a one-week goal or a two-week goal 
Small accomplishments lead to long-term success. Sit down and say, for the next week or for the next two weeks, you could maybe go as far as three weeks, I am not going to eat any red meat or I am not going to eat any carbos, carbohydrates, carbs. Or you know what? I'm stop. I'm not going to sit down and watch TV because it's just not good for me. Or for three weeks, I'm going to have a very specific meditation schedule that I'm going to keep to. Or I'm going to have no negative self-talk. I'm going to get away from this negative self-talk that I've been into. You see, make that goal, but it's two weeks. It's three weeks. It's not forever. It's not too short. It's not too long, but it's just the right amount of time. Because if you find that you can accomplish that, you can get off the schneid. Anybody can do a day. Anybody can even do a couple of days. These fast programs that people say, oh, I fasted for a day. Big deal. Fast for a week. Fast for two weeks. Make a decision that you're going to do something and let it go for two, three, maybe even a month. That's an interesting time because that is where you set the, um, the, the, the traction that you need to be able to run this race. And too many of us don't do that. We're either, we either set goals that last a day or we set unrealistic goals that are going to last for a whole year and we never get there. The other thing I've been doing that I've found that helps me, I had this conversation with my wife the other day, is like you, I get very frustrated with myself. And sometimes I even feel sorry for myself. So I do have to create aspirational reminders for myself. I say aspirational, it's inspirational too, but it's aspirational because it's what I hope to be. I aspire to be this kind of person. So write it down, take a Sharpie and put it on a poster in front of your bed so you see it when you wake up. Put it on your bathroom mirror so you see it when you brush your teeth. That thing that you want to be See, for me, here's, here's what I recently wrote down on my bathroom mirror. I, I wrote down these words. How I see myself is what I am. I wrote that down. How I see myself is what I am. In other words, if you see yourself as a crappy golfer who's not going to succeed, you're going to be a really bad golfer for nine holes. If you see yourself as a loser, you're going to lose. If you see yourself as a fat guy, you're going to be a fat guy. If you see yourself as an unattractive woman, you're going to be an unattractive woman, no matter how beautiful you are. If, if you see yourself as dumb, you won't be smart. But if you see yourself as capable, you'll be capable. If you see yourself as smart, you'll be smart. If you see beauty in you, You'll be beautiful and others will see that beauty, but you got to buy in. And I do it by reminding myself because deep down, it doesn't matter. I may have, you know, co-founded a billion dollar company, which I did. I may have been the first anchor to do the news on CNN and the first Latino anchor and all that other shit. But deep down, half the time when I look in the mirror, I see a short, fat, little, squatty loser. 
I don't know why. That's who I am. I think that's to a certain extent how we all are. I bet every human being who's ever lived, were they the president of the United States or the guy who created the greatest inventions in the world or even the people we look up to the most, at some point, all of them had doubt, huge self-doubt. And sometimes the only way to get over that self-doubt is to remind ourselves of really what we want. And for me, it's that. For you, your message could be something else. But write it down in a place where you see it every day. If you live alone and you don't care because nobody else is going to see it, put it big. Put it all over the walls. If maybe you're embarrassed because, you know, you live with a bunch of other people and you don't want them to see your messages everywhere, fine. Put it in a place maybe where they don't see it. But you see it. And eventually, by the way, you'll want them to know. I, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I told her, I said, you know, honey, I need to see myself as how I am. And I'm going to write it down. We were having coffee. She smiled and looked at me, gave me the okay sign, thumbs up, and said, good, honey. <laughs> That's Suzanne. Here's another one. Recently, I kind of felt like I needed some kind of spiritual connection. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe it's because lately I've been thinking about my own mortality. We all eventually do. And I was in uh, Washington, D.C. And I was doing some work in Washington, as I will later on this week. And I wasn't far, like a block and a half from the White House. And I got out of my hotel, the Marriott there. And I decided to go for a jog. And as I was going for a jog, I saw all the beautiful places. I Just such a place, treasure trove of history. I went by the place where Abraham Lincoln was shot, where he died. And it has that little plaque right there. I don't know if you've been there, across from Ford Theater. And it said, on this place, on this date, Abraham Lincoln perished inside this apartment. And you're just sitting there and I'm going, oh my God, I'm like getting goosebumps sitting outside the place where Abraham Lincoln died. And then I kept jogging down that same street. Maybe you know it if you've been to Washington, D.C. And I came to St. Patrick's Catholic Church. Now, this is a really old, old building built in 1794, one of the oldest churches in the United States, certainly the oldest church in Washington, D.C. And I thought to myself, there's something about this building I'm attracted to. So I was jogging and I went by it and I went about a block away and then I turned around and I went around the block and it's like there was a magnet here. I needed to go back to that building and I did. And I uh, opened the door and I was like, wow, look at this. I felt like I was in Europe. And you see these old cathedrals, right? Giant, giant ceilings and all the statues. and, And I saw people waiting in line. And I thought, wow, now I'm a wayward Catholic. I'm Catholic, but I'm a wayward Catholic. Let's just say I don't exactly attend Mass as much as I should. When the kids were small, we used to take them and we'd go on Sundays. But these days I don't go as much. But deep down, I still love the thing I love about religion. My own sense of Christianity is the sense of community. 
the sense that you can go to a place where you can have a, a conversation with something that's bigger than all of us. So I went inside this creaky old church through those creaky old doors and I saw people who were waiting in line and I wondered what they were doing and I asked. And they said, this is the day that we do confession. <laughs> Man, I hadn't done confession in a long, long time. I remember, you know, if you're Catholic when you're a kid, it's a scary place. You go in there and it's a dark room and behind the cloth, there's a voice of a priest and you say to him, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And you tell him what you've done wrong. And when you're a little kid, you know, everything from masturbation to every other thing that's in your head suddenly becomes the thing that you're thinking about. Did you ever, do you remember, Jerry? Did you ever go to, 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 to confess? Did, Absolutely. I was an altar boy. You were? Yes, sir. Isn't it the scariest thing in the world? Like it's super intimidating, yeah. It's yeah, it was something about when you grow up a Catholic and that experience, but I, for some reason I got in line. This is just a few weeks ago. I got in line and I waited my turn and I went in there and there was a priest and I said, "Do you mind if I don't stand behind this cloth thing?" He goes, "No, come on around." So I just sat in front of him in a chair. He was sitting in a chair and I was sitting in a chair and we had a conversation. And I shared with him the things that I felt that I had done wrong, the things that bothered me. Man, I never felt better. I don't know what it was, but the connection, the, the, the release, the finding a solemn place where I was able to find my own sense of spiritual being. And look, I'm not trying to be schmaltzy. I, I, whatever you believe is good for you. And whether you believe there's a higher power or not, it's not my place to convince you or tell you. I'm not even sure what I believe. But I know that there's this little part of me that once in a while needs that spiritual connection. It felt so good for me to go there and experience that. It helped me. And I would suggest that if you haven't done that, I know it's hard. I know it's hard because you don't have it as part of your routine, if you don't have it as part of your routine. But whatever, wherever your church is, wherever your place is, it's okay. You can go there. People aren't going to stare. They're not going to look at you. They're not going to say, who's this weirdo? Like I kind of felt for a little bit when I went through those doors. And it's helpful. Of course, you know what else is helpful? We talk about this a lot. And I'll keep saying it. Get outside. Make exercise a priority. Make exercise a priority. Get off your ass. All of us need to find a way to find that time in every day where we just move. You know, for me, it's jogging a couple of miles every morning. For you, it could be walking around the block. Or it could be three times what I do and, you know, doing a weight routine uh, weight resistance routine that would kill most of us. Good, but keep doing it. It's one of the most important things we can do. And then maybe when we talk about getting off the schneid, this is my final piece of advice. And maybe the one that's most important. We all get blue, right? We all feel bad. We all feel like, how do I get going when I can't get going? 
the key word is compassion. Just like when you have a bad relationship with someone, when you've had an argument with your husband and you can't get yourself to go over there and say, I'm sorry, or you can't get yourself to go over there and tell them how you feel, or when you've had a disappointment in your life and you're afraid to tackle it, you're afraid to deal with it, you're afraid to stare at it. All that moment needs is compassion, right? If you feel a sense of like compassion, the coordination of your passion for someone else, which is the derivation of what that word is, right? Compassion. It can make all the difference, and it always does, because eventually you do, right? Eventually you go to that person who may have hurt you, or you may have felt hurt by, or you may have had a disagreement with, and by being compassionate, you're able to make it work. Okay, here's the difference in what I'm saying now. In this case, the advice I'm giving you, and the tenth and final lesson I would give you on how to get off the schneid, that same compassion that you've shared with others, give it to yourself. Give it to yourself. It's okay. Say that literally to yourself, that it's okay. You know, those of us like you and like me who have that type A type personality are often much more capable of forgiving others than we are ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We're hard on ourselves. We're hard on compassion, period, because compassion is hard, because it makes you have to face something, usually with others. But as difficult as it is to do it with others, with your husband or with your wife or your brother or your friend or the guy who used to be your best friend or the gal who used to be your best friend, it's even harder to make up with ourselves, to say to yourself, it's okay. I made a mistake. That's not who I am. That was just an action I incorrectly took. You know, it makes all the difference. Being able to not be so down on yourself for making a mistake and acknowledging that you're just a human being. So in the end, probably the most important thing that we can do, right, is to be kind ourselves, to say, I'm okay with the fact that I screwed up and I'm going to do better now. Why do you think that is, Rick? Uh, why do you think that is, Rick? Because I think you're right. I find myself, when I make a mistake, like a quote unquote, a stupid mistake, mm -hmm. a dumb mistake that I shouldn't have made, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I'll beat myself up for like a day or two and just be really like, and every time I think about it, I get angry. But when other people make mistakes towards me that cause me damage, like, oh, they forgot to do something and now I have to pay more or whatever, I start giving them the benefit of the doubt immediately. Well, they had a lot on their mind. Why do you think it's so hard for us to forgive ourselves or to, or to let it go when it's our own mistake? I think, and this is a good thing, it's because you're generally a decent human being. I think we're kind. We're taught to be kind. And we're taught to give. And, and sometimes part of this is our culture as Latinos. Sometimes we're taught that 
we give and we give and that's what we get because that's what we see from our moms and it's what we see from our dads and the way they treat people. The only thing our parents sometimes never taught us enough of, and I think this is important even if it sounds mean, I know my parents didn't tell me enough of this, is watch out for number one. Watch out for yourself. They always taught me to be kind to people. They always taught me to be forgiving. They always taught me to care. They always taught me to try and do everything I could to be compassionate toward others. And that's what I got as a Catholic, as a Christian, as somebody who went to church. But we, I think that that, that lesson that you are now learning and I have learned as well, that's one that almost has to be kind of self-taught. Because we think that if we forgive ourselves, we're somehow being egotistic right? Who am I to say it's okay to screw up? Well, actually, you are the right person to say that you can screw up. You are the right person to say, you know what? I had a bad day. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a good day, and I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm not going to go get drunk. I'm not going to act like an idiot. You know, I'm not going to get myself sad, and I'm not going to start stewing now on every other little thing that I've ever done in my life that was bad. That's some coming out of an after, coming as an afterthought from this one little thing I did that was bad. And boy, I do that too. You do that, Jer? Yeah, I cringe when I think of stupid things I've said or done, even as far back as when I was a teenager. Every once in a while, I'll think about it and go, "Ooh, like it'll just make me cringe." You know, and it comes from a bad experience or a bad yeah. act that you had now. And that's where we get regret. And that is really one of the most dangerous feelings. So to avoid that, to avoid going down that rabbit hole, I suggest we nip it in the bud. Compassion, most importantly for yourself, before you do it for anyone else. Well, that's where we are. Jerry, thanks. Appreciate it. Good conversation. Hey, you know what this is? It's essentially a conversation that you and I have. Oftentimes we start with, something that's happening in the news, and we use that to dovetail into a lesson. Sometimes we do interviews with people and we learn from their lessons, their trials, their tribulations. And sometimes we just have a straight conversation, just you and I, like we did today with Jerry, with Scotty. This is what this is. This is the Rick Sanchez podcast. And I'm so glad that we're able to share this. And if you're making me a part of your day, if you're making this show a part of your day, please let me know how we're doing so. And let me know how we're doing. Touch base. Go to aguamedia.com. We are everywhere, by the way. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. And uh, we'll be there for you. So let's continue the conversation here on the Rick Sanchez podcast. For Jerry, I'm Rick Sanchez. Thanks for being with us. And andale, dale, y vamos con todo. 